Bob and Charlene Steinkamp, founders of Rejoice Marriage Ministries, invite you into their living room in Pompano Beach, Florida for a telephone conference call. Let's join other men and women from across the land who are seeking God's restoration of their marriage. Welcome to Rejoice Telephone Conference, the conference that is uh, going to share a restored marriage of a couple that have gone through trials and tribulations just like you may have or have some family members that have. And we're thrilled to have you listen to us tonight. And this is a Thursday night at 8 p.m. in uh, Pompano Beach, Florida, that we have had rain all day. So we hope you are in better weather, but we're just going to be thrilled to have uh, Mike and Leanne here with us tonight, and they're going to, um, they're from Texas, and I'll introduce them in just a minute. I'd like to open up with prayer, and I want to um, tell you that we're thrilled to have you with us tonight, and if you would like to tell other people to call in and give them the numbers, and we would love to have other people join you that might get hope and encouragement, this is the time to do it. And we would also tell you that afterwards, be sure to put it on your Facebook or Twitter and tell other people about what you heard tonight so that they can uh, call in and listen to it uh, tomorrow, the next day, or any time thereafter. And then the good news is there's even more telephone conferences on on the same page where they're going to be and you can listen to many testimonies to give you hope and encouragement. So we we're, we're just want to bless you abundantly with this, and then after this tonight, you can go listen to some more testimonies. That is what we want to do. We want to increase your faith, hope, and trust in the Lord that nothing, nothing is impossible. Well, I always open up with uh, a couple of scriptures because I think we need to put the Lord in the midst of this because without the Lord doing this, it won't last, and Psalm 145 is one of my favorites of praising the Lord, and I'm praising the Lord we're doing this tonight. So Psalm 1, uh, verse 1 says, I will exalt you, my God, the King, I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation will commend your works to another, They will tell of your mighty acts. They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty and will meditate on your wonderful works. And they will tell of the power of your awesome works and we will proclaim your great deeds. And that is what we're doing tonight. Mike and Leanne are going to be sharing uh, their testimony. And when I opened up my Bible tonight, uh, before when I was eating dinner, It opened up to Titus, and Titus is a very special book of the Bible for me anyway, but Titus chapter 2, it opened up to, and it was highlighted in red, so I read it, and I thought, well, this is perfect, because it talks about the grace of God, and without the mercy and grace of God, where would we, any of us, be? So we want to read this. I want to read Titus 2, and this is for Mike and Lee, and, and for every stander. And Mike and Leanne are together, but they weren't together in their hearts, loving each other for a season. And you've got that problem right now. I want you to understand the Lord knows everything. He knows everything about your husband or wife. He knows everything about your children and you. And we need to turn our hearts 
to him and ask him to direct our steps, guide us and direct us to speak to him every day, talk to him, pray, and read his word every day because that's the only way you're going to grow in the Lord. And Titus 2, verse 11, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And that means your spouse. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait, and that's a good word for us standards, for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our, uh, of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own eager to do what is good. Well, we're going to be doing something good tonight, and so is Leanne and Mike, because they are sharing what the Lord has done, and we're just thrilled about that. So let me introduce you right away to to Mike and uh, Leanne, and I'm going to open up with prayer after that, but welcome, Mike. Welcome, Leanne. We're thrilled to have you. Hello. Hi. (laughs) We're thrilled to be here. (laughs) Thank you. Let's open up with prayer. Lord, we just praise you and thank you. Thank you for opening this uh, conference call tonight, and thank you for the people that are joining us, and we just ask that you would uh, just touch us all to speak your very words that you would want us to say. We just pray that you would just um, bless Uh, Mike and Leanne as they share from their hearts and their testimony and may it encourage not just one person but many men and women that are listening and even children they just don't understand and believe mom and dad can get back together again may it encourage some of the children that are teenagers that are having a difficult time also so Lord we ask that you will bless this time and we just thank you for opening this doorway up for letting this couple share their um, conference call and we just give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus name we pray amen I'm going to introduce Mike and uh, Leanne a little story about them and then they're going to take up and share their testimony to you all and they've been married uh, 33 years since this past August and on September uh, 23rd it's going to be 38 years from their very first date they have four boys ranging from 17 to 30 years old and their grandparents and there's one little baby on the way and um, they live in texas and mike works for an oil company and is an engineer leanne's been a stay-at-home mom and has been truly blessed to be able to do that and she works part-time jobs for fun and um, volunteers at church and schools but they're very busy with several different ministries, and she loves uh, to cook, and they love to eat and entertain uh, family and friends, and they also, most of all, love to be alone. Um, and we just are thrilled to have uh, Leanne and Mike here to share their testimony of what the Lord has done in their marriage. Um, we just welcome you, and with open arms, we just, I wish I was there to give you guys a hug, as we would at uh, Texas, but here's the best way we can do it, is we're just thrilled to have you guys here. Please okay. share your story. Okay. So you ready? I'm ready. Who's going to okay. start? Who's going to jump in first? Me. <laughs> Always. <laughs> okay. 
Okay, so we're just going to tell our story from the time we met till today and, of course, a brief version of it. But um, we just want to share with you what the Lord has done throughout our marriage and um, it's been a pretty, pretty amazing journey. So, so Mike and I met in high school when I was just 15, and we dated all through my sophomore year and his senior year until he left Ohio, which was our um, hometown, to attend school in Colorado. And as a young, very infatuated 16-year-old, I didn't think that I could possibly survive a day, let alone two years, without the young man that I knew was the love of my life. But I did survive, and I even dated other people, but no one compared to my high school sweetheart. Two years later, I graduated from high school, and by mutual consent, I also went to college in Colorado. We were at different schools, but only an hour away, which meant that we could see each other often, and so we did. We spent nearly every weekend together, but even though we slept in the same bed together on our visits, we did not make love. I wasn't deeply spiritual at the time and didn't know anything about the Bible, but I was saved, and I knew that God did not approve of premarital sex, so I made the decision to save myself for marriage. My parents adored me and trusted me too, so I did not want to disappoint them either by doing something that I knew that they would never approve of. I grew up in a very loving home and had a wonderful childhood. My parents raised me in the church, although I don't recall a lot of talk about Jesus in our home, but I just knew enough to know that God wanted me to save myself for marriage, and Mike respected that decision. But, as impressive as that sounds, I didn't realize till much later in life that the things we were doing when we were together weren't exactly what God would have approved of either. Well, well, I grew up in a, a home where, where I knew I was loved, but it was one where we didn't have, there wasn't a lot of open affection or uh, really meaningful dialogue. There wasn't a lot of conflict. In fact, the only conflict I can recall growing up was between my parents and my older brother, who was um, kind of a pain. <laughs> and um, so I took on the role of the good son, and I, I actually played that role really well, at least as it appeared uh, from the outside. Uh, we weren't particularly re- religious. Uh, we were, I guess, what you'd call C&E Christians, Christmas and Easter. Uh, and we never really talked about God. I was uh, very very math and science oriented. I am an engineer. And um, I considered myself an atheist. Uh, Carl, Carl Sagan was my hero. So it was really only out of respect for Leanne mixed with just being a shy and awkward kid that allowed me to respect her desire to remain pure. And so I guess by the uh, by the Bill Clinton standard, I can honestly say that I did not have sexual <laughs> relations with that woman. Um, but I, I guess when I went away to, to school, uh, it, it was hard. Uh, I did miss Leanne. I think we did we did date other people while we were apart, but it seemed like every time we got back together, when I would come home for holidays or summer, uh, we always uh, got back together. We found each other, and we we just we were were comfortable with each other. So I was really glad when Leanne came to to school uh, to go to college in Colorado. But uh, after two years, another graduation loomed, and I was. Uh, fortunate enough to have found a job, which is the good news, uh, right out of college, but the bad news was it was in Lafayette, uh, Louisiana. And as we talked through it, we realized that we didn't want to be separated again, uh, that we felt like uh, we had been together long enough and knew each other well enough that that we wanted to get married. 
And so in August, following my graduation from college, I, I married a teenager, my, <laughs> my high school sweetheart uh, in our hometown in Ohio. Being married at 19 seems kind of unimaginable these days. We were so young but in love and had no idea or any concern that marriage could be anything but blissful. I was so in love with Mike that giving up college to marry him seemed like a no-brainer. Our wedding day was a fairy tale come true in every possible way. I was so excited about marrying the perfect man of my dreams that I was willing and ready to go anywhere with Mike to start our life together. Even if that meant leaving the security of my family and my friends and moving to an unknown and very different place. Well, it was an adventure. Uh, we were all grown up. Uh, we were we were on our own and at twenty one. We were all grown up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was making money, and um, well, we didn't have a, a lot of responsibilities. Uh, I didn't have homework anymore. <laughs> But um, after about two and a half years, uh, actually nine months after a, a happy hour at one of the restaurants there, <laughs> uh, we went from carefree newlyweds to the parents of our first son, Kyle. <laughs> about a year after that, the oil boom busted. My company reorganized, and they sent me and my young family to Midland, Texas, which seemed like another foreign land. Um, within a year of that, we had our second son, Joshua, and six months later, uh, we were on the move again. It seemed like every time that we became somewhat settled in a new place, we were on the move again and starting over. Mike and I moved to our third town in as little as five years of marriage, and this time it was to Irian, Texas, population 900, which made every other place we look, lived look pretty darn good. But um, we liked it, and it was we had a lot of blessings there. It was a really small town. I'd never lived in any place like it. I'd had many challenges, but also many blessings. And, um, and this is the place where I decided it was time to turn back to the Lord. Since our wedding, I had not attended church. When I got married, I became unevenly yoked with a non-believer. I had no idea what I was doing, and even if I had known, I probably wouldn't have cared. So anyway, I decided it was time for our two boys to meet Jesus, so I joined one of the two churches in town. Mike didn't go with us much, except on holidays, sticking to his roots of being a Christmas Easter attendee. And while living in Ariane, I attended a Christian weekend called a walk to Emmaus. After that special weekend with Jesus, my relationship with my Savior began to change. I didn't think it was possible, but my love for Mike and my children grew even stronger, and my prayers for my husband to know Jesus began to increase. Mike was a better man than most believers that I knew, but his wonderfulness was not going to get him where I knew I was going, and that was and that scared me in a terrifying way. I think when Leanne went on her walk, uh, I was scared for different reasons. Uh, I was afraid that <clears throat> I don't know uh, that she would change in a way that that I would no longer be what she wanted anymore, that I wouldn't be adequate or or, or what she needed. But um, that couldn't have been farther from the truth. <clears throat> After living five years in the, uh, the Ira Ann Sheffield Metroplex, we made our move <laughs> to Carlsbad, New Mexico. Uh, it was a move uh, that we made while we were pregnant. So shortly after that, we had our third son, Joey. Uh, Carlsbad was a great place to raise our boys, and it was also a great place for us spiritually. 
I had started attending church while we were in Irene, and I continued to do so in Carlsbad because it seemed like the right thing to do, particularly for our boys. I guess I had also begun to question some of my atheistic beliefs, and I found questions I couldn't answer. I was surrounded by good spiritual people in whom I began to sense something that was missing from my own life. And so after three years in Carlsbad uh, and 13 years of marriage and of a fervently praying wife, I fearfully attended my, my walk to Emmaus, and it changed my life forever. I found I loved Leanne and the boys more. I found I liked Christian music and reading the Bible and Christian books. And I also found myself wanting another child. Felt like we were good parents, we were active in our kids' lives, and now we had a solid Christian foundation. So three years after that, we had our fourth son, Noah. Mike and I lived in Carlsbad for a record-breaking 13 years. It was the longest place we'd ever lived, and much had changed during our time there. Our spiritual life was um, so different, and it made me so happy to finally be serving the Lord with my husband. We were both leaders in the Emmaus community and in our church. We led youth groups, we taught Sunday school, and we served in many other ways. Our life was now centered on the Lord, which is how I'd always wanted it. Our boys were happy and well-adjusted, and we all had many friends. We were very busy, as young families are, but Mike and I loved each other very much, and we always made each other a priority. We were each other's best friends, and we'd rather spend time alone together than with anyone else. I think up to now we've been trying to paint uh, the picture of what our relationship was like for the first 20 or so years of our marriage. Um, we, had a, we had what we felt like was a very strong marriage. Through all the moves and changes over the years, um, we had built a successful life together. We were happy and comfortable with our roles as husband and wife and parents and church members. And I had successfully graduated roles from being the good son to being the good husband and father, at least as it appeared on the outside. Um, But it wasn't all perfect, Uh, our model marriage and our perfect life, because uh, I had a secret that was undermining the foundation of that marriage. From my early teens, I had been waging a very private and secret battle with pornography, It was a struggle that I carried into our marriage, but in those early years, I didn't think much of it. Uh, As an atheist, uh, and so not having uh, that moral standard um, that God calls us to, um, I didn't really see it as such a bad thing, as long as I played my roles as good husband and father. But with my conversion came conviction, and it was no longer okay because I now knew that it wasn't right. Once I accepted that there is a God and that he created me and has a purpose for me, I also had to accept that higher standard. I now had a new role, and I was determined to play that role well, too, and I did. I taught Sunday school and volunteered at church. I was a good Christian role model in our home and at work, and for a while that determination was enough. But old habits die hard, and it wasn't long before they resurfaced, and my battle raged on. I guess it's true what they say. Love is blind. I never knew about Mike's addiction. He hid it well. We were married for 17 years before I found out. When I first discovered it and confronted him back in 1999, he was so embarrassed and I could see the shame in his eyes. Somehow I felt compassion for him and not anger. 
but it scared me. He assured me that it was in the past and he was dealing with it with his accountability person and, and his prayer group. I was very confused, and, it didn't, and I didn't really know what to think, but I was grateful that he had the support, and I trusted what he was telling me. After all, this was the man who I loved with all my heart and who I also admired and respected more than any other person in the world. I have to say, embarrassed doesn't even begin to describe how I felt when Leanne confronted me. <clears throat> but when I told her that it was all in the past, I, I really meant it. At that moment, I could never imagine myself even thinking about falling again. But what addict doesn't make that promise and mean it? Only to fall again and again. Um, I, I had, I, I have to say, I didn't really know where to turn. I didn't have anybody I could really talk to. The accountability group I was in didn't really... Uh, know about it because I I didn't really talk about it. There was one guy in there that I did talk to, but he um, he struggled with the same things, and so we really weren't very um, accountable. Uh, I didn't know who to ask uh, because I didn't I didn't want to admit that I had a problem. Um, I was afraid of of how I might look to other people, And and I just didn't want to, I guess I didn't want to admit failure either. I kept convincing myself that that this was something I could do on my own. You know, what I was what I was doing and struggling with didn't really match the character of the man that I wanted to be. And I couldn't really understand why I couldn't fix it myself. But I couldn't. Uh, and every time I failed I would I would redouble my efforts only to fail again. And with every failure, guilt piled on guilt and shame on shame. I was letting God, Leanne, and our boys down over and over again, but I still had roles to play. So I continued to fight my problems on my own and in secret, and life went on. And life might have gone on like that for a long time, um, but things were changing. In 2003, I was offered a temporary opportunity to work in Houston on a project for a recently acquired asset in West Africa. And that opportunity turned into a 28-28-day rotation, which I did from Carlsbad for a little over a year until Joshua, our second son, graduated from high school in 2005. It then seemed like a good time to move what remained of our family to Houston before Joey, our third son, started high school. Mike leaving for Houston on his temporary assignment was a very difficult time in my life because not only did Mike leave, but our oldest son went off to college and our youngest son started kindergarten. Our entire family dynamic changed. Then a few years later, when the day came to pack our bags and leave New Mexico, it was another sad time for me. I knew that this would be the hardest move by far because we had built a real life for our family in Carlsbad. I also knew that I would be facing every other month alone in a new place, which scared me. But I tried to focus on all that was all that this new and exciting place would offer my, my family. And so, again, we were off into another adventure. But as I always knew that as long as Mike and I were together, it would be okay. He was my best friend. And after, year, and after 23 years of marriage, I was still so deeply in love. Well, the move to Houston proved to be a hard one. At first, it was great. 
we were in a new place with lots of things to do, which wasn't really the case in Carlsbad, and every other month off to spend together. It was like we had six and a half honeymoons a year. But it turned out that being in a new place and living under the unrelenting schedule of a 28-day rotation wasn't really a recipe for success. When we left Carlsbad, we left behind a church we loved and a lot of Christian friends and the strong support and stability that those things provide, all of which we had established before I started rotating, and that's, that's an important point. We, we had built that life together, but when we moved to a new place, uh, it was really difficult to establish that same kind of network and friends uh, and that support um, because I was only home every other month. We did find a church you know, early and started attending, but it was a really big church, and uh, the membership there was about 10 times the population <laughs> of the Iran Sheffield Metroplex, where we had lived five years. And I found it a little hard to get connected and, and, uh, and involved. So what had ended up happening is that Leanne would make friends while, uh, for her while, she was, while I was away. I had my work relationships in EG, and then we would have a few friends that we'd make together while I was home, mostly from you know, parents from my son's soccer team. And the result of this discontinuity is that we began to lead two separate lives, one when we were together and another when I was away in Africa. My struggle with pornography continued, and so did the feelings of failing God, which eventually started to feel like God failing me. Not being able to connect in church and not being able to find the strength in God I was assured was there eventually led me to drift farther and further from my faith. I no longer wanted to play the roles I was given, and in the span of about four short years, what had been once some loose threads in the fabric of a once strong marriage uh, left unattended were now unraveling our perfect life. We did love our rotation schedule. We loved being together and often both cried when we had to when he had to leave again. But it was a roller coaster of emotions. We loved it and hated it at the same time. With this type of life came many struggles and stresses that we had never had to encounter before in our marriage. I began to resent his absence and his lack of desire to come home and he began to feel like he didn't fit into our world. As the years went on and we became more disconnected, I often wondered during those times of stress in our relationship if Mike was still struggling with lust and pornography. When I felt the need to discuss it with him, I often received the same answer, that it was in the past, end of discussion. But somehow I never quite believed it. Because it felt unresolved to me, it affected me emotionally in many negative ways. I felt unattractive and insecure about his true desire and love for me. Then after many years of wondering if he really was over it as he claimed, I found a journal of his that he had written years before. What I read in those pages devastated me. The words of discouragement, hopelessness, worthlessness, and despair that were a theme throughout made me see that this had a much bigger grip on him than I could have ever imagined. It broke my heart for him and for us. As I read through it, I could see that, the, that his newfound relationship with Christ had already been slipping away. And I thought to myself, if this was such a stronghold back then, then what in the world was happening now after all these years? I had no proof except a sickening feeling in my gut that it was still a huge problem. 
His months home became increasingly stressful. There were a few months in 2010 that we were especially off that were especially awful between us, and I was very confused by his behavior. I tried to talk things out, but nothing ever came of our talks except defensiveness on his part and a lot of resentment on mine. And then he would leave again for another month. One month while he was away, I began learning all I could about sexual addiction because I was convinced that this had to be what was coming between us. What I learned horrified and depressed me, but also helped me to understand and have compassion for him and for others. I never knew how addictive pornography was or what an epidemic it had become or how hard it is to conquer. As I learned more, I began to connect the dots and see more clearly how this struggle had affected Mike and our marriage. The hardest realization was discovering what a grip Satan has on those who struggle with this and how damaging it is to the soul of a believer. So was this really what was wrong with him? Again, I don't know. I didn't know. But I had to know this time, and I wasn't going to ignore it just to avoid the pain it was causing me. So the next time he came home, I was determined to confront him. And when he did get home, it was an unusually strange and sad month. It was just before our 28th wedding anniversary. And I prayed and I prayed, Lord, what is wrong? What, why do we have such a disconnect? Why are we not happy? What has come between us that is so terrible that we can't seem to connect anymore? So I prayed and I asked the Lord to reveal it and that, to show me that whatever was in the dark, that it would come to the light so we could deal with it. And that night, the Lord showed me what it was, and it was the last thing that I ever expected. By the end of 2009, things were getting really bad. Leanne and I were becoming more and more disconnected. The rotation in our separate lives were taking their toll on our relationship, and we stopped communicating because we didn't seem to be able to get through a meaningful conversation without it turning bitter uh, and into an argument. I know now that I wasn't giving Leanne what she needed from me, and she began to resent me for it. She just wanted me to come home for good and to reclaim what we'd once had, once had. but my priorities were misplaced. The rotation was great. I liked the schedule. Uh, I liked the work, and I liked the money. Uh, and so I was being selfish, and instead of owning up to that, I took Leanne's resentment as a loss of respect, and I withheld love and affection from her. So neither one of us was getting what we needed from the other. I I had been working with a woman in EG, and we were very good friends. And as the connection between Leanne and I faltered, a connection between me and this friend grew. And instead of fixing what was broken in my marriage, I began to get what I needed from her. And in doing so, I was already cheating on Leanne before that relationship ever became an affair in the middle of 2010. The day after I found out about the affair, Mike had to leave to return to Africa and to her. I forgave him, and I prayed with him, and he told me that everything would be okay. But I knew he couldn't wait to leave. To say that I was heartbroken and devastated would be an understatement. I didn't eat or sleep for the next 10 days, and all I could do while our boys were at school was lay on the floor of my room crying and praying. I also read the Bible like never before, trying to find answers and some kind of comfort. I felt like I was living a nightmare that wouldn't quit. I didn't feel like myself at all. 
I normally look forward to each and every day, but now I just wondered how I was going to get through the next one. I never knew that you could actually have a broken heart, but now I knew because I had one. They were all, these were all new emotions to me because up to this point, I had what I thought was a pretty perfect life. In order to cope, I dropped out of everything for a year, including my weekly Bible study, and I barely left my house. Sounds like a sad time, and it was. It was the worst of time, but it was also amazing because of Jesus. Romans 5.8 says, We rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. Hope was all I had, so I had to believe in it and that it would not disappoint me. During that first month, as I struggled to make sense of what was happening, the Lord began to reveal things to me. He gave me the words like, never give up. He told me that he would restore our marriage, but I'd have to trust him. And I'd have to be patient, which was something I was not very good at. He revealed to me that this was a spiritual battle and that my husband was being held captive, but that he would someday be free. He showed me Second Chronicles 20:17. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position and stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. I knew this truly was a spiritual battle because the man that I knew and loved and trusted for 28 years would never do this to me or to our amazing children. And I knew God's plans were bigger than any plans of the enemy. Jesus also taught me about forgiveness, and he showed me how to forgive Mike and to very quickly forgive her. For the first time in my life, I understood the power of prayer and what it felt like to love my Savior and know him intimately. I learned more about Holy Spirit, and that began to change my life. Every day I would ask to be filled to overflowing with more of you and less of me, that was my constant prayer. I was so grateful to have Jesus because I, I knew that I couldn't in my own strength make it through any of this without him. When the affair came to light, I knew I had to leave the rotation and come home, or I would no longer have a home. It was a choice, and as much as I wanted to distance myself from the pain and havoc my actions had caused, and to stay where I had found some temporary relief. I knew I, owed the Le- I knew I owed Leanne and the boys more than that. So I gave notice uh, to my company that seven years of rotating was enough and that I needed a, uh, to have an assignment in Houston, which they were able to provide for me by the end of 2010. And, and so I came home, but not really. I was here in body, but not in spirit. I went through the motions convinced things wouldn't work out. I pushed Leanne away as we went to counseling and to multiple marriage seminars because I didn't want to reestablish a connection with her, even though that's what I was here to do. I thought if things didn't work out, despite me doing all the things I was supposed to do, it would somehow justify what I had done and justify what I wanted, which was to walk out of the marriage. The man that I was living with, I no longer recognized. Even though I loved him, many days I did not like him at all. The months of waiting for restoration turned into years, and I was very lonely. I had good days and bad days, but slowly the good outnumbered the bad. I became so strong in my faith, and with all the new knowledge I had gained, I was able to hold on to hope. 
Anytime I would get weak and think of giving up, I would remember the many promises, signs, and confirmations that the Lord had given me that we would be restored, and that gave me the strength to persevere. When I found myself not trusting Mike at all, the Lord would say, trust me, not Mike. When I tried to get in the way to speed things up, the Lord would say, do you want to do it your way or my way? He also taught me in the very beginning to zip my lips, which is one of Charlene's favorite sayings, <laughs> because he, sh- he showed me that there's a time to be quiet and a time to speak, and I had to discern the difference. I only confided in a few family members and some godly women who had our best interest at heart. But the minute I could sense that any of these confidants thought I should quit, I stopped confiding in them. I knew what the Lord told me, and I was not going to let anyone convince me otherwise, no matter what it looked like to them in the natural. Well, even as I tried to undermine our reconciliation, I fell under conviction. Um, Even though my heart wasn't fully in them, the, the counseling sessions and and seminars impacted me. And we learned a lot about how to communicate and to meet each other's needs. And I felt the sting of how I'd failed Leanne. God reminded me of the words from a marriage talk we had given some years before, uh, back when we thought we had a great marriage and we knew everything there was to know. (laughs) Um, And I had stood before a room full of young adults and very righteously preached how God hates divorce, and that the simple answer to divorce is to not get divorced. That if you eliminate divorce as an option and accept the commitment that you made in your wedding vows, that you'd be forced to work to make things work, or you might find yourself praying for the end of time. (laughs) In that same talk, I proclaimed that our commitment to each other was extended to each one of our four boys at the moment of his conception, And I realized I didn't want to start a legacy of divorce in our family where none had existed before. I'll also say that that through this time, uh, our two boys at home, Joey and Noah, were were going through some struggles of their own. And I I didn't have the heart. There was no way I could walk out on them while they were going through this, uh, through their through their problems, uh, they needed their father and they needed him at home. Uh, so they, that was one thing that, that kept me at home. So my own words from that talk, inspired by God more than 10 years before, came back to minister to me. So as far as I had slipped away from God, he had not left me. And no matter how hard I tried not to hear, he spoke loudly enough to let me know that I needed to start doing the right thing. And then he started chipping away at the wall I had built to keep Leanne away. More than anything, though, that voice kept telling me that Leanne wasn't the source of my problem or my discontent any more than someone else could be the source of my happiness. Anywhere I went, I would eventually find myself there. And if I went with the same hurts, habits, and hang-ups, I, wouldn't, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't expect any different outcome. I remember uh, a lot of times thinking about what it would be like to be with somebody else. And in 10 years, what what if I had these same feelings, you know, the same um, feelings of disconnect? And I tried to convince myself that uh, I wouldn't let that happen a second time, that I would see the signs of it and that I would, I would be able to, 
to, to not do that. And then that same voice would talk to me and say, well, why can't you do that now? And I realized that um, if I didn't stand with Christ and commit to making this marriage work, then I never would be able to trust myself to make another work with someone else. Especially when I was already married to uh, the most remarkable person I knew, uh, a woman of uh, amazing character and uh, a woman I respected and loved. Uh, and to my shame, I, I had neglected. Finally, I, I had to acknowledge the role my addiction had played in the decline of our marriage. And after 40 years of futility, my inability to fight it on my own. So two years ago, I began attending uh, a Celebrate Recovery group. And I now have a group of men with, with similar problems with whom I can meet and pray weekly. Last year, I went through the Celebrate Recovery 12-step program and successfully went through that, and that's been great, and I continue to meet with those uh, same men every week. I've also found that um, talking about the problem and bringing my struggles uh, into God's light has helped tremendously. So that strength uh, that so long uh, so long had eluded me from God uh, that I'm now finding uh, in this small community of men committed to recovery and the ministry that Leanne and I are, are working in. Um, and I'm learning how to trust God and to allow him to work in me to gain victory. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. I began to see a real change in Mike after he began attending Celebrate Recovery, and that is also when our relationship began to change. And on Valentine's Day 2014, Mike told me he loved me for the first time in four years, and we've been healing and growing closer ever since. I truly believed and still do to this day that if just one person in the One Flesh Union wants to stay married, then God will honor that and restore the relationship no matter what. It might take a lot longer than the hurting spouse wants, but in God's perfect time, it will happen. Habakkuk, what did I never say? No, if I say that right, <laughs> two three, which is one of my favorite verses, says, "These things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair, for these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient." They will not be overdue a single day. God's Amen. timing is always perfect. God's will is that we stay married for better or for worse and not break the covenant between each other and with him. Malachi 3 says God hates divorce, so we should hate it too. When we pray in his will, thy will be done, and that's a promise. Most people quit before the Lord can repair but if we wait and trust and believe, then the one flesh will once again be one flesh. Marriage is the biggest test we will ever live through, and with marriage comes many struggles. But we are to love our spouse like Christ loves the church, and that means unconditionally and sacrificially. Amen. I still get um, a little sick feeling in my stomach when I think about how close I came to to throwing all the things that God had uh, put in my life away. Um, I'm, I'm humbled by how blind I, I was to, uh, 
to what I was willing to throw away for um, what I thought would bring me happiness. But I think that, um, well, Leanne and I both know that we didn't go through this for no reason. You know, God gave us a testimony um, for a good reason. And I think I think that was so that he could say, look what I can do. And I think that's the that's the real point of our testimony, which is nothing is impossible with God if we believe and pray, if we don't give up or give in. And he does get all the glory. I, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him, I can tell you. Despite its flaws, uh, and, and they weren't all insignificant, but um, our marriage was still strong, and yet it came to came to the precipice. It came to the end um, in a very a shockingly short time because we failed to keep our eyes on Christ and we took what we had for granted. God honored Leanne's faithfulness and resolve, and then he spoke to me to remind me of what is important about being a Christ-following and obedient husband and father. Uh, we are no longer unraveling because Jesus is the strong thread in our marriage that binds us together. God has done more than we could ever have hoped for or imagined. This is what Ephesians 3.20 promises. If we believe it, it'll happen. We are now praising God for answering everything we've prayed. We are in marriage ministry now in our church. We are praying about doing the Conquer series to help young men and men with, to get free of pornography. God has sent us already so many couples to help and to pray for. God uses all things to work together for good to, to those who are called according to his purpose. We are so grateful for the transformation he has done in our hearts and minds. We thank you, Jesus. To you be the glory forever, and what you have done for us, you will do for others. So please stand strong and believe that God can do it. He will restore your marriage. He will resurrect anything that's dead and bring it back to life, just as he did for us. Thank you. Amen. Amen, amen. Wow, that is so awesome. You did a great job, and what a testimony. And... um, Now that I've listened, oh my goodness, to God be the glory of what he can do. But uh, Leanne, you walked through the fire for several years. Is, uh, how did you find us? Uh, What, what, how did you connect with us? I don't even know that story. (laughs) Okay. Well, it's such a great story. I mean, God just does so many things, as most of the people listening probably already have experienced. But if you haven't, just start praying, because God's always around the corner doing something. But it was very early on in our in, in our um, marriage crisis, I think maybe the first month or two. And we had been in, actually, yeah, it was in December, so it was just two months into it. This is one of the first times Mike had even been home, and we had to go to to um, Dallas for a soccer uh, tournament, and we were on our way home, and both boys were in the car with us, and Mike was driving, and I was looking out the window trying to hold back my tears. I was I, I, could, I was so devastated, but I didn't want my kids to see, but it, I was just so sad, and I was just praying, Lord, please help me. Show me something. I need help. I need help, and I, I opened my eyes at that very moment, and I see a billboard that says, God heals hurting marriages, and I was like, what? What? Wait, 
go backwards. I, I, I wanted to see the website. I was like, I can't believe I just saw that. So I Googled it. And for the next two and a half hours on my way home in the car, I read the entire, well, not the entire website because there's a lot on there. But I read so many testimonies. And, I mean, it just occupied my mind and gave me hope. And after that, I I mean, I, I read everything on that site. I got your your um, devotionals every day. And, I mean, it was just so encouraging to finally have someone believe like I believed, that I wasn't supposed to give up. You know, God told me not to give up. And that was one of the first things I read on your on your website. And I was like, oh, my, oh my gosh, here's someone that, that is going to give me hope and not discourage me. And... Um, Anyway, it was it was an incredible blessing, and it was so funny too because I had already seen a covenant truck <laughs> because I I was always looking for signs of the Lord. Like I would see a um, PLT truck, and I decided, okay, that's praise the Lord, and then I would see you know some kind of other sign, and and um, and then all of a sudden I'm reading about covenant trucks on your website, and so it was that's just right. it was crazy. But yeah, so that's how I found you. Well, I am shocked. I did not know it was by the billboards that we did have in Texas, and we had them there for uh, several years in two different areas. So to God be the glory for uh, that. And uh, we we just have had our billboard, um, Honey, uh, Come Home, the Kids and I Love You, uh, in Pompano Beach on Copens Road and uh, for our 25th anniversary. So... Anyway, I'm going to be asking some more questions, um, but if we may have a couple of questions that we can get on and ask them personally, if you, um, one of you or a few of you want to go to Twitter or Facebook and ask any questions, we'll at least get a few on, and, or I may ask them the questions that you want the answer, and uh, the Lord will solve it. Um, but, Mike, your uh, transparency about pornography is huge and it's huge for you to admit that the shame the guilt the constant battle and struggle that uh, you did and uh, our church uh, locally has a celebrate recovery and i recommend celebrate recovery and uh, for people because it's huge and it's uh the the um it's it's the communication with other men and the accountability and the weekly talking to men uh, is the the secret and uh and the longer you stay with it and all I think it's it's that's the secret it's um I have one one of of our um San, I've got to think of their name right second Sonia and Andy who are in Washington state who we keep in touch with is um they, he started uh, communicating with a pastor years ago before they remarried, um, and he still, I talked to him a few months ago, and they said, and he still meets with them weekly, and it's been become a friendship instead of just a pastor, you know, uh, doing counseling for a, a spouse that has come home. So um, these relationships are uh, very important and uh, we want and I believe there was another relationship that um, you went to counselors but um, Leanne how did your counseling go because my counseling didn't go too great so 
I, I, my pastor and my uh, counselor, neither one had the vision or the hope was of what Bob was going through that Bob could ever change. He, they said he would never change is their definite um, words. And uh, were your counselors helpful with uh, what you guys were going through? Well, I mean, they they well, they were helpful to me because I basically, you know, would just go and have someone to talk to. Um, Mike wasn't really ready to go to a counselor, which was part of the problem. Um, but we we I went to one first, but then when he came home, we we picked a new one because I felt like that was you know fair to him. So we found a new counselor, which which she was helpful. But again, you know, Mike's heart and mind wasn't really into reconciling, and um, and he he never would bring up the pornography. And so then uh, that counselor suggested we see a, a male counselor. So I found another Christian counselor who's a man who deals with pornography, and we went to him for a while. But again, Mike didn't really touch on that too much, and. That counselor didn't give me hope at all, and none of them really did. Um, it was just like, well, statistically, you know, and I'm like, I don't care about statistics, you know. And um, after the third one, you know, I just said, that's it. You know, I, I, I'm i going to believe what I believe, and I'm not going to let anyone tell me that our marriage is not going to work. And, you know, they don't know my husband the way I know him. They don't know what kind of man I know that he that he is and that he will be again. And so um, we just stopped going to counseling. Well, I ask you that uh, for a reason, because there are pastors and counselors that don't have the vision of restoration uh, in a marriage when they see all the sins of the flesh that are coming in there. It it was pornography, but it could be alcohol or drugs or whatever. And... um, and I know um, that that's what that's why we can't. We love our counselors and we love our pastors, and I tell everybody to go to them. But I'm going to say it to, and I think um, you you heard it so clearly with Leanne's um, communication of how she met the Lord and how she spent a year seeking Him and growing in Him, but how He constantly kept speaking to her. And encouraging her, I think that that is the one thing that my goal is for every standard to never lose that relationship. But you must d- develop a deep personal relationship with the Holy Spirit, and to uh, keep it. Um, don't let you become lukewarm, um, because you need to stand firm for uh, maybe a short time or a long time. Um, but you need to stand firm and have that perseverance, that tenacity, that endurance. Because when you reap your marriage to be restored, there's a process of marriage restoration, but, oh, the glory of having your husband home, especially, and I don't want to say especially for children, but especially that you are, but, but I will say for the children, because we need each other as a husband and wife desperately and to be intimate and have our marriage brought back together again, whether you have an in-house prodigal or in that's not not there at all, but they're home, um, but they, it's it's not a real marriage, or you can have a spouse that is unfaithful and they're away. It affects the children one way or the other, and uh, 
Leanne or Mike, you well, Mike, you said that was one of the reasons you stayed. Do you guys want to share about that at all tonight? Well, about how how well. I know you had you said you had one testimony, but how are your kids doing? I guess how did how did they handle dad coming home and everything? Well, you know, we we chose um, against the judgment of all three of our counselors to not tell our kids. Um, They thought our kids should know, and I think partly because they thought that would help Mike heal um, to have to express that to them. But we felt like, especially me, because I knew that God was going to heal our marriage, and so I didn't see the point in just disrupting our children's lives when I knew we were going to get through it. And so we protected them from what was going on, and and honestly, they didn't know a thing. Um, And once we were healed, then Mike took each one of our sons individually and told them. And, you know, I think it's going to bring great healing to any of our children that may be struggling in any areas that he is. But um, one particular son, our, our third, Joey, um, Mike was a, away during a lot of his high school years, and um, his senior year, he ended up getting into drugs, and his life took a turn. I mean, he he did some things that he deeply regrets now, and he's not where he, he, he wants to be, but praise the Lord, he's turned his life around, and, you know, we've, we've prayed with him. I think even Mike sharing... I know Mike sharing his struggles with our son helped Amen. heal our son. And, um, and now he just came back from his third mission trip. He was in Africa um, last month. And, you know, he still has a long way to go. He still has a lot of things to think about and decide what he wants to do with his life. But, you know, he, he's, he's, on, the, he's on the right road. And, um, you know, our whole family is doing well. And, you know, they, our kids now know that we're not perfect and they can come to us anytime with any problem, and we won't judge them. We won't be angry with them. We'll just pray for them. And so that's what we wanted to show them. Uh, and that and that's true. I mean, the, we, our our marriage, when we got divorced, boy, I taught my kids I was not perfect because look at all what I did that I shouldn't have done. Um, and Bob, of course, he uh, repented many times, and especially at the end of his life, he, even though they've seen him write books and everything, he um, did again um, repent over uh, three times actually, and called them over in, uh, at, all together. And I was not invited in that meeting, uh, but <laughs> kept saying to them, "Do not. Um, I, I've. I want you to know that that I love you, and don't ever do what I did because the, the consequences are greater than you can imagine." Um, but also, um, you mentioned you wanted to share about a special woman you had met, um, that during that counselors, you didn't find maybe the perfect counselor at that moment for you, but God brought somebody else into your life. Yes. I, and I, I would recommend this to anybody who's standing in their marriage to pray for the Lord, to bring them godly mentors that they can trust and that they can talk to and to be very very careful about who they share what with and what details with Amen. i i didn't share hardly anything about 
my relationship with my with anyone. My my parents knew, and my sister knew, my brother knew, and a few friends knew. But if any of them got disappointed in Mike or got mad or or thought I should quit, I I stopped telling them things. But I had prayed and prayed for God to bring me a friend that could help me, that could be my mentor, that could teach me. And he brought me the most beautiful, godly woman. And she never even met Mike, but she never judged him for a second. She loved him. She prayed for him. She never... Um, encouraged me to do anything but to, to believe in the Word, and she would send me scriptures every day just when I needed them, and um, she's just the most beautiful soul, and I, I don't know that I could have made it without her because she was the one person I could talk to and I knew would always give me godly wisdom. Well, so. you know, I had a I had a Vera, and uh, I've written about her, um, and she is literally uh, in her... 90s, I think, 80s uh, now, 80s probably, but um, she was the one for me that always uh, encouraged me no matter, she said, don't look at Bob, keep your eyes on the Lord and on the Word, and don't look at his circumstances. That's what the enemy wants you to look at. And uh, so... um, well, and don't look at other people because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm helping a few women right now, and, and I feel bad for them because they're so confused. And a lot of times it just gets more confusing the more people you talk to. And, you know, you just have to ask the Lord. And, yes, we need people here on earth to help us too, but we just have to be very careful. And when the Lord sent me my friend Jan, who I know we're not supposed to say names, but I love you, Jan, <laughs> um, I was so grateful. And uh She's been a blessing. So God will bring you all a friend if you need one. Amen. Uh, let me ask you both. How did you walk through when you, Mike, when you did come home and then you did start the process, um, how did you uh, develop and rebuild that trust um, with each other of, of what was going on and work with the children and so forth? Of, of rebuilding your relationship, Mike, you have been really sort of uh, separated from the kids a lot. And how did you rebuild your relationship with the children? But most of all, and then how did uh, you uh, trust Mike and believe him with what was going on? Did you battle a trust issue? Two separate questions, guys. You can take turns who wants to start. Um, well, well, I think it takes time, um, and I think the things that build that built the trust between Leanne and I were um, were time and transparency. You know, being being open with each other, um, going through, you know, admitting and confessing our uh, our shortcomings in the way that we had hurt each other, and and you know earnestly seeking forgiveness and giving and granting forgiveness to each other you know i think um you know i didn't really have any trust issues with leanne other than um i mean i suppose i could have not trusted that she really loved me but how could i do that when she stayed with me through this uh through my whole you know time away um yes so uh, I guess you know I, I'm maybe I'm speaking for Leanne here, but but and I, I think that was, is, am I right? 
Leanne, I know there's women that are not going, that have trouble after they find out their spouse isn't pornography. And and, uh, and Mike has been very, very open about how the battle has been a battle off and on for years, um, and the guilt and the shame and the, it's the crazy cycle of a circle that he's spinning in and trying to get out of it, but he can't see the way out. Um, how did, um, when you came, when he came home and he surrendered his heart to the life, did you fear, uh, that he would possibly open, even though he was in Celebrate Recovery, I mean, at first he wasn't in Celebrate Recovery probably, but I don't know the timing, but did you fear that that he could go back into that and do you guys have a um, communication on that at all still are you trusting the men and so forth well i mean when he first came home you know for the first year um we we could barely you know talk to each other not in, because we were mad at each other we just he just did not want to be here so that right. whole first the whole first year, I had no idea what he was doing, and honestly, I didn't care. You know, it was like, I'm glad you're here, and I'm praying for you, and I hope you're not doing things that will hurt you. But if you are, I'm, I'm beyond caring at this point because you've got to decide for yourself to get help. I mean, I can't make you want to get better. Excellent. So Excellent. I didn't really know what he was up to. And um, and honestly, it wasn't until he went to celebrate recovery that I honestly um, – could could believe that that he was he was he was going to do something. Trying, yeah, really trying to get help and really wanting to get help. And um, and you know, as much as I know about this this issue, I know it's a struggle for for forever. And um, you know, he he uh, he may slip. I don't know, but he's got accountability people that he talks to right. and a group, and that's all I care about. And he's so faithful about going that. Um, you know, if he weren't going, I'd be worried, you know, but um, but hopefully we'd be able to talk about it. And, I agree. Um, yeah. So that, so that, so yeah, it wasn't until he went to celebrate recovery that I, that I began to really um, trust him. And really, it, it, you know, after three and a half years of him living here and us not being together, you know, when we finally went on a marriage retreat and were able to talk about the pain that I was under, um, and and to just discuss all the issues in our marriage, and just to get to forgive each other for everything, and just to share our hurts. Um, that's when I began to trust him that he was here for good, and Amen. that he, I agree. He didn't have any desire to hurt me again. Let me ask so. you two questions, Leanne. They're coming in for you. Um, do you believe? And I know I talk about this a lot, but I want your opinion for you. Do you believe it was important that your husband knew that you were working, you were going to pray, and you were praying for your his, your marriage restoration, and that you weren't walking out on him? You were you were really seeking the Lord, uh, even though he was uh, maybe heartless through the no communication, intimacy, or anything like that. I mean, he was he was an in home prodigal that didn't want to be home. But did you um, tell him? I'm I'm waiting. I'm praying for us. Yes, I mean he knew okay. I was praying, and he had to know there was Bibles all over the place, scriptures, scriptures <laughs> on my bulletin board, on my to- in my toilet room. 
Um, I would pray over him at night and tell him. I mean, yeah, and I, and I, so yeah, he knew I was praying and he knew that I had hope. He he could see my determination and um, it probably freaked him out, to be honest, in the beginning. I'm sure it did. Let me ask you another um, question from Facebook. How did you stay joyful daily and handle your emotions? You know, it's funny that you say that because somebody else asked me that the other day. And, um, you know, it's so weird because in the beginning of all of this, I was so devastated. Honestly, I felt so out of like out of body experience. Like I, I, I didn't even know who I was anymore for the longest time. You know, it was just horrible and painful. And once I began just hearing from God and, and having confirmations and learning so much, somehow I was joyful still. And I would have bad days and I would have tears. I, I would cry in the shower. Um, and then I started to make the shower the time that I praised the Lord. So I'd stop crying in the shower and I would just praise the Lord while I took a shower. But Amen. I just I just had this hope. And here's this is how I looked at it, honestly. Every night when I went to bed, I thanked the Lord, and I knew that the next day when I stepped my foot on the floor, that it was one day closer to restoration. It might not be tomorrow. It might not be next year, but it was one day closer. I wasn't going backwards. I was only going forwards. And so that kept me going, and that just filled me with joy. And I had so much other good things going on in my life. You know, I had my family and my kids, and just the fact that Mike was here with me. You know, I used to look forward to every night him coming to bed just so I could touch him because he wouldn't let me touch him during the day. So I would just snuggle up to him, you know, at night. And that brought me joy. I mean, you know, I just tried to find happiness in the smallest things. But um, I think that's But it was the is. Lord, Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know, if you ask the Holy Spirit to fill you up every day, he will fill you up, and you will feel that Amen. joy. Don't Amen. feel it, you ask him. He want, God wants us to have joy in the darkest of our days. I know that's when Bob strength. was dying. That is our strength. I know when Bob was diagnosed with cancer, he radiated more joy and called up people and talked to people, and he ministered to more people when he was dying or diagnosed with cancer on down through the process. I mean, he, they, we had church even with the nurses that, were, that came in to see us and check on him. I mean, he had the joy of the Lord, and we can have joy of the Lord because we're being obedient to doing what we're supposed to do, praying for our husband and for marriage restoration. I think that's the key to that. Um, Mike, have you got any? I just agree with you that what you've done is tremendous. I just want to tell you I agree with Celebrate Recovery. Um, There's Teen Challenge that is great for uh, teenagers and young adults that are involved Uh, with drugs or alcohol, as they talked about Joey. And I don't Mm -hmm. know if you had another uh, means that Joey got help, but Teen Challenge and some of the other ministries that there are, their their stats are awesome. And we have one in our church. And men or women uh, up to their, I even think up to 30s or so, and they even have marriage restoration after um, they they get um, with working with themselves. And, and it's an in-house um, type of setting for just one year for um, anybody from t- um, 18 up, I believe it is. But yeah. check it 
see. But Teen Challenge is very good also if you uh, parents have that. But we just want to um, wanted to say, you two, do you have any final words? Because we're going to open up with uh, prayer and pray for the men and women that are uh, spouses. You know, I want to remind and say this to Mike, and I'm so glad he said it. And and you both have said it. The Holy Spirit put conviction and spoke to you, Mike, when you were not walking the Christ-like life. You were con- he was convicting you. And I just want you to, I, I applaud you for saying that because everybody always thinks that, um, that their spouse may not be hearing anything. You want to say anything about that at all? Or And Leanne, um, you have one final word because we're going to go into prayer. And Leanne's going to pray for the women um, and men standards, and I'm going to pray for the children. Okay, so I'm trying to remember the question. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I, uh, I have Mike. a very short attention span. Mike, okay. Mike, how do you say, can you say that God does speak to the prodigals in all situations okay. and, and speak, speaking to them to turn from their uh, sinful lifestyle? Would you say that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there were, uh, you know, I, I list, uh, you know, I talked about a few things here, but you know, there were so many things that were were going through my head, and and you know, I'm sure that God was putting those there and those, you know, those thoughts there. I had, you know, I, and I couldn't argue with them. I, I you know, I, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm kind of a rational person when it comes, you know, comes down to it, and. You know, I would have these arguments with myself, and I I lost every one of them. Because <laughs> um, I, you know, I, we I usually do. Yeah, I'm used to it. <laughs> um, so so certainly, you know, I know, you know, I, I think I'm not sure what would have happened if if I hadn't, you know, become a Christian uh, when I did. And I hadn't, you know, learned as much about, you know, the Bible, and, you know, we hadn't learned as much as we had about marriage when we gave our marriage talk. You know, those those things all came back to, you know, at the time I would have said haunt me, but you know, they <laughs> they came back to minister to me, and, right. uh, you know, you know, certainly, uh, you know, I felt led to do the right thing as much as I I didn't want to. Uh, I I was constantly reminded what the right thing was, and um, you know, at the end of the day, that's what that's what won the day. And I think that that is the importance um, of consistency in uh, Leanne's prayer life and being joyful, praising the Lord. It says in the Bible, uh, um, pray continually, be joyful. And uh, it says, give thanks in all circumstances, that for this is God's will in Christ Jesus. Um, Second Thessalonians uh, 5, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. And I think that's what we've got to do. We, 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 it's a sacrifice to praise the Lord, maybe, at certain times. Would you say, Leanne? I, know, I would say a lot of times. But, um, but if we're faithful to give him the praise, he can turn things around to good, and he's slicing that mountain on the other side that we can't see. So, well, but we else? are we are thrilled to have you both here. You've shared so much, 
and we've got to, I'm sure some people are going to listen to this more than once, uh, and uh, that's what we want to uh, to say thank you to. I do want to mention to everybody, if anybody of you live in Texas, be sure to look at our website and uh, sign up, and if you're available, come September 25th to from uh, 5.30's registration, 6.30 to 10.30, we're going to be um, have a Rejoice uh, Bible study uh, for one whole evening, and it's going to be sharing, and we're going to have another restored marriage there that will be sharing. Um, and it's in Dallas, Marriott, Las Colinas. I'm going to ruin that Las name. Thank you. Las Thank you. Uh, but we would love you to just go to our website, and you'll find out about it, and sign up and join us. We would love to see you and meet you and uh and you have heard tonight your first testimony early. This was planned to encourage you, to get you, to give you hope. And uh, let's open up with prayer, and uh, and we'll have uh, Mike's uh, Mike's start, and uh, then Leanne, and then I'll close. Thank you, guys. Oh my goodness, you have blessed us abundantly tonight. Thank you, thank you, thank you. To God be the glory. Uh, Heavenly Father, I just um, I lift up everyone uh, listening this evening. Uh, I lift up uh, especially those who are are struggling with their feelings, um, who might be confused, and who are considering um, walking away. Um, Lord, I just pray that uh, that you would send your Spirit to those and, and minister to them. Um, encourage them, uh, Lord. I can, I can certainly understand and sympathize with with their pain because because it is painful to um, to struggle with those things and to and to consider the things that that we consider, uh, the things that we think about. And uh, Lord, I just pray that you would encourage everyone, encourage those. Um, be with them and 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 help to lead them and guide them to uh, to do uh, what they know is know to be right. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Lord, I just lift up to you all the standards that are listening. I just pray for them, Lord, and I just ask you to give them courage to stand and to not give up, Lord. Give them a peace in their heart in knowing that you are fighting the battles for them and they don't have to do it on their own. They just need to pray and stand and have faith and believe and be patient. Lord, in your perfect timing, you will bring everything around. So let them see that even though they may not see anything changing, that you are working all the time to answer their prayers, that nothing goes up to you that doesn't come back. And your word never comes back void. So, Lord, I just pray that they understand that this is a battle and that it's the enemy that's come between um, their marriages. And, Lord, that you are a victorious God and that you are greater than any enemy. And no plans or plots of the enemy can prosper against their marriages if they pray and believe. So, Lord, I just pray for these standards. And I I ask you to give them joy in their hearts every day as they walk through this journey and just um, keep them faithful and strong because 
there is no greater joy than coming out on the other side of tragedy and having a strong and loving marriage that you can share with your family and that you can be a witness to God and to give Him the glory. And so, Lord, we thank you for our marriage. We thank you for allowing us to share our testimony and hopefully to give um, people that are suffering and sad and have sorrow hope. So don't give up. And, Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And, Lord, we just praise you and thank you for uh, Mike and Leanne sharing and being so transparent tonight. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise. We thank you for sacrificing their night uh, to share this to uh, standers and to prodigals around the world and uh, tonight and to to the ones that will be listening in later and tonight and and forever on our website. Lord, we give you the praise that uh, this couple sacrificed uh, covering up what they were battling and sharing it to give the devil a black eye. As greater is he that is in them than he that is in the world. And no weapon forged against us will prevail if we just keep seeking our Lord. And, Lord, we just pray that you would touch all of the children that are hurting. There are spouses that are leaving their spouse when they're pregnant. There are spouses that are leaving when they have tiny babies. And there are spouses of all ages leaving, um, even when they're in their 60s and 70s. We've had um, somebody contact us that their spouse is leaving when they're totally retired and have no income to come in to help them. Lord, we have a lot of sad stories, but we have one thing that is going throughout all the the, um, standards, and it is like a ribbon of red of our Lord Jesus Christ, as he is the answer. He paid the price for shedding his blood on the cross for all sinners. And we're just praying that you would go touch all the standards, all the prodigals, to give them hope and encouragement. But we ask that you would just wrap your arms around the children that are fatherless, that when they have their uh, spouse leave, um, often, and especially the fathers, um, they often, there's many fathers that just go into that other relationship with their other children, and they forget about their own children. And we want you to bring the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children back to their fathers. Oh, Lord, we want restoration of our children regardless if the marriage is restored at that very moment. We want fathers every week and mothers to pick up the phone and talk to their children, um, communicate on the cell phone with text messages, whatever. We need to start quickly, suddenly, and quit leaving the delays of doing it another day. And we just pray, Holy Spirit, you will just convict all the spouses and all the parents that have not communicated, even with their spouses that that are away right now. Ask the Holy Spirit when, if you should just say, hey, the kids are doing all right, or just something about the children. Lord, we just ask that we would not let silence be building up a wall that just seems so big that we can't knock it down, and that's the devil's lie. We just ask that you would touch the children and heal their wounded, broken heart. And also, Lord, it says in the Bible that you healed 
just a broken hearted and a crushed spirit and I just pray that for every one of the people that are listening in that they will, if they've got it broken and, and they're, they can't stop crying, Lord, I just pray you would remove that oppression, depression, in the name of Jesus. Just be gone in the name of Jesus. And may you, we just loose on us the joy of the Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that you would just uh, be with all our standards and men and women and be with the children. And the ones that are home, will you just hug those children more and give them encouragement and open up that word and give them uh, Bible stories according to their age, and teach them the Word, and teach them that this is a bad time for us with circumstances, but God's going to turn it around to good. And may we pray for the uh, young adult children that know what's going on and understand it, and may they um, learn to cry out to the Lord and not run into rebellion. But we have many young adults and many teenagers that are rebelling and causing a lot of trouble, getting into a lot of trouble. And we're just lifting up every one of those teenagers, every boy, young girl, all of them that are in and rebelling against their parent. And the single parent has a rough time with this. And we just ask that you would just, Lord, just send uh, them to a youth group, send them to where the, some other men and women can minister to them and give them hope and direction, and youth groups are awesome, and we just ask that you would just get your children involved into church. I pray you would get into church, and Lord, we just ask that you would just bless all the children and the ones that are in drugs or rehabs or or um, are in doing things, we just ask that you will just deliver them set them free, and we'll just give you the praise and the glory of all that you're going to do. We thank you, Father, for this evening. We thank you for all the people that have uh, listened in, and we just ask that you would give us all a good night's sleep, and may everybody be blessed, and may you all have a, a be stirred up and have a filled up with hope tomorrow. And we just give you all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Oh, we're so thrilled. We're so blessed by you, too. We we are going to, uh, I know this is just going to minister to so many men and women, and I just give God the glory and honor. And thank you, Leanne and Mike, for doing it. Well, and uh, uh, Mike, I hope you have a safe trip. <laughs> thank you. And you, too. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to visit the website of Rejoice Marriage Ministries at www.rejoiceministries.org. Thanks for joining us today as we proclaim that God heals hurting marriages.